Welcome, welcome, welcome. I would like to welcome you to episode 338 of the Unpopular Podcast. This is the man, the myth, the legend, Jalen Hunter. And here at the Unpopular Podcast, I'm not really asking you to agree with me. I'm asking you to hear me out. Playoffs, whether it's NBA, whether it's Stanley Cup playoffs, which of course we're going to talk about both, but they shine clarity or they prove clarity in a lot of things. They prove clarity in why some teams didn't make it, why some teams do make it, why some teams make it as far as they do. The playoffs brings clarity to teams. They bring clarity to opponents. It's just clarity. And what we're seeing from this Denver Nuggets LA Lakers series is is nothing but clarity. Now, I'm going to talk about both sides, of course. I'm going to talk about the Denver Nuggets. I'm going to talk about the LA Lakers because they're both they're the two teams in the Western Conference Finals. And let me first talk about the Nuggets. And in order for me to talk about Nuggets, unfortunately, I have not unfortunately, but I have to talk about the Golden State Warriors. There is no way, after watching what I've watched, not just this series, but when the Denver Nuggets played the Minnesota Timberwolves and when the Nuggets played the Oklahoma, I mean, no, played the Phoenix Suns, I don't think that there's any way that the Golden State Warriors would have beat this Denver Nuggets team, at least this year in the playoffs. I understand that the Golden State Warriors present different problems for Golden, for the Denver Nuggets that say those teams I just named and the LA Lakers present. But I do agree with people like Mike Malone. I do agree with people like Jamal Murray in saying that we do not give this Denver Nuggets team enough credit. And that's what I'm going to do now. The Denver Nuggets, majority of this season, has been the most efficient team in basketball. You say one thing that it has been clear and is evident is that usually a team that usually the team that wins it all they're usually top 10 in offense and defense. The Denver Nuggets would be the first team in I'm not going to say NBA history but the first team probably since the LA Lakers when the when Kobe was on it. To win a championship, if they win, and be outside of top ten, be outside the top ten in defense, they're not the greatest defensive team. Their best player, Nikola Jokic, isn't that good defensively. Uh, Jamal Murray isn't that good defensively. However, what the Denver Nuggets lack in defense, they make up for in efficiency. You can be the greatest off offensive team in the league if you're not efficient. That doesn't matter. There's a lot of teams that are be- – hell, the, the <laughs> Phoenix Suns are a better offensive team when we talk about just the sheer players, De- uh, Devin Booker, um, Kevin Durant. They're a better offensive team than the Nuggets. Talking about Golden State, we can go back to those. Steph Curry, Klay Thompson, Jordan Poole when he's on. You know, They're a better offensive team. But when we talk about efficient – at least this year, the Denver Nuggets have been the most efficient team. When you're led by a person like Nikola Jokic, I say this all the time. The personality of your best player usually permeates throughout the team. 
You see that, and we'll talk about this in a second. But you see that with Jimmy Butler and the and the Miami Heat. You see that with Steph Curry and the Golden State Warriors. You see that with LeBron James and the L.A. Lakers. You, the best player, you, his his personality, his style permeates throughout the team. When you talk about this Denver Nuggets team, and I think this is one of the biggest reasons why. I guess you can say that it's been getting there's been lack of coverage or lack of respect from what Jamal Murray likes to say uh, for, for this Denver Nuggets team. Because when you look at their star, nobody questions how great Nikola Jokic is. We know Nikola Jokic is one of the best players in the NBA. We know Nikola Jokic is one of the greatest off or well, greatest Point guard, I mean, not point guards, greatest centers as far as skill. He's one of the most skilled big men we've ever seen, if not the most skilled big man. We know this, but what do we know about marketing? What do we know about the NBA? They like flash. They like to market, you know, high flyers or are extremely good shooters. They're not. Like they'll they'll market a LeBron James, they'll market a John Morant, they'll market a, a Steph Curry. And don't get me wrong, all these players are great. But Nikola Jokic isn't the most marketable person. And that's no offense to him. That's no disrespect to him. That's just what it is. He's just a person that comes in, does what he has to do, does it at a very high level, and leaves. So when you look at this Denver Nuggets team, you can kind of say they flew under the radar because they're not the most marketable team. Now, do I think that the Denver Nuggets are the best team in basketball? I don't know. I will say that they have played the best this postseason. There has not been a time, except for probably, no, there hasn't been a time where I thought the Denver Nuggets were going to lose in a series. I understand that the, the Phoenix Suns um, tied him up 2-2, but Devin Booker was having an historic run. I just I just don't – the Denver Nuggets have been great. And as I sit here today, they're up 2-0 against the Lakers. I'm not saying the Lakers are going to get swept. I respect LeBron James. I respect Anthony Davis way too much to think that they're going to get swept. But what I will say is this. There are there are things that concern me about the Lakers in this series, and there are things that I think the Lakers can take advantage of. And the same thing for the, the, the Nuggets. The Nuggets, that defense rears, or the lack of defense, or their out-of-the-top-ten defense, rears, reared its ugly head the late game, or late in games, both game one and two in this series, the Nuggets had a sizable lead. And due to their lack of defense, due to turnovers and poor situation, poor situational basketball, the Lakers came back. Now, no, they didn't win, obviously, but when you're playing against a team that probably has shooters, that that would be different. Hell, they were up, I think the Lakers were up like, like 12 points in game two. Now, yes, due to the efficiency and the offensive firepower that the Nuggets have, they were able to come back and ultimately win, but still. And I talk about this with the Celtics, and again, we'll talk about the Celtics in a second, but 
when you talk about the Denver Nuggets and you talk about their path to get here, right? They haven't played a team that could cap or let me say it like this because that's it's going to sound disrespectful to the Nuggets and that's not what I'm trying to do. They have played teams, right? They've played the Lakers or they're playing the Lakers and they played the Suns. Both of those teams can capitalize or or have the personnel to capitalize on the weakest points of Denver's of Denver's team, which is of course the Lakers. They have Anthony Davis and 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 Nikola Jokic's defense, and of course the sheer size of the Lakers and speed. You know, bada bing, bada boom. And then you talk about the Suns and the shooting. You know, Devin Booker, uh, Kevin Durant. They they have the the tools to capitalize on the on Denver's weakest points. The thing is though. Those teams, and that's kind of why I brought in the the Golden State Warriors, those teams also have weak points that the Denver Nuggets have been able to capitalize on better. I will say this. Shouts out to Nikola Jokic and his defense. Now, we're going to talk about Anthony Davis in a second, but Nikola Jokic's defense on Anthony Davis has been good. Nicolio, that was, I, I don't know if you guys remember, but I said the key to this series is going to be the matchup between Anthony Davis and Nicole Jokic. If Nicole Jokic is able to get the better of Anthony Davis as far as offensively and defensively, then the Denver Nuggets are going to win this game or win this series. If Anthony Davis plays like the top five talent that he can be, the Lakers are going to win this series because, you know, it's whoever wins that battle. And in the first two games, Nicole Jokic has done a great job on Anthony Davis, not just offensively, but defensively. Now, the first game, Anthony Davis had like 40 points. But the second game, he had, I think, what, 15, 17 maybe? So... At least if you look at the numbers and the percentages, Nicole Jokic, it does seem like Nicole Jokic has done a good job on Anthony Davis. And the, the people that are still screaming Lakers in six, it's – look, I have all the faith in the world in LeBron James as well. I have all the faith in the world in Anthony Davis as far as their talent and their resume. However, I don't – looking at this Denver Nuggets team – do I think the Lakers can still win this series? Yes, obviously. But do I think that they're going to win in six? No. I don't think that they're going to beat the Denver Nuggets four straight times unless something catastrophic happens to Denver, which I don't hope for or foresee. So, um, yeah, Denver for the, you know, Nicole, Jamal Murray and, uh, and Mike Malone, who was the coach, has has pretty much preached that the Denver Nuggets haven't got the rightful respect that they feel they deserve, which I understand. It's it's hard. I mean, the Denver Nuggets haven't been the most uh, promotable team, and, and but but that doesn't take away from how good they've been and how good they are. And this Denver Nuggets team is different than the bubble team. Is different than any Denver Nuggets team that we've seen. This is probably the best, most well-rounded Denver Nuggets team that we've seen. And uh, 
I would be shocked if at least this team doesn't make it to the finals this year. I I think I predicted Denver in six. And the first two games as a prime example why. Mind you, the second game, Denver struggled mightily from uh, shooting the ball until the fourth quarter. I think Jamal Murray had like like 14 points going into the fourth and scored, I think, 16 in the fourth. Was lighting up the Lakers in game two. And that's another player. Jamal Murray can go nuclear. Jamal Murray doesn't get a lot of credit. I understand Jamal because he plays for Denver, but Jamal Murray is one of the best scorers in the league. I'm not going to say he's the best, but when he is on, we saw that in the bubble. We saw that of course, before his injury, and we've kind of seen that in this in this playoffs. When Jamal Murray is on, when that switch is flipped, when that fire is lit, Jamal Murray is one of the best scorers in basketball. And you pair that with, actually, I think it's pretty much inarguably at this point, the best center in basketball, it's, <laughs> that is, you know, and then you, of course, you have great complementary pieces like, KCP, like Aaron Gordon, like Bruce Brown, like Michael Michael Porter Jr. You got yourself a championship team, my friend. So, uh, or a championship caliber team. Again, the Lakers, I think the Lakers could still win. I don't predict them to win, but, you know, Denver has been really good. And let me talk about the Lakers. Let me, let me start off with the positives with the Lakers. Shouts out to Rui Hachimura. It's crazy. Rui has has kind of shown he's kind of the poster boy right now for for the saying. Sometimes you just need a new environment and more opportunity. For people that don't know, Rui Hachimura used to play for the Wizards, and he never played like how he's playing right now for the Lakers. He has emerged as one of their most important players if they want to move forward as far as beating the, you know, move forward in the playoffs. He's going to be a free agent this year, uh, but he, and he has played himself into some money along with Austin Reeves. Rui, I think, only missed like one or two shots the other day. Like He's been great. And... I think, you know, the Lakers, their scheme and the way that they use him has been incredible. Also, Austin Reeves has had an incredible, incredible playoff run as well. He he came up really big in game two, even though, of course, they ultimately didn't win. His three, he found his three-point shot in game two and, and for the Lakers' sake, hopes that can, you know, travel back home to L.A. Uh, that's pretty much... Where the positives stop for me. Uh, let me first talk about LeBron James. LeBron James has reinvented. Well, I'm just be real with it. LeBron James has looked 
old. Majority of these playoffs. But what we're seeing out of LeBron James is because he's such a smart player, because he's such a, I mean, he's he's arguably the greatest player of all time. He's able to capitalize on what he can do. And he's able to capitalize on the strengths that still make him one of the best players in the world. And that is his his brain, that is the way that he sees the game, the way that he's able to manipulate the game, the way he's able to to maneuver around, you know, defenses, and he's able to dissect defenses. LeBron James, again, will go down as one of, if not the best player of all time. So while, yes, he has looked old, he still, or at least in this playoffs, actually majority of this year, he is able to capitalize on or he's able to lean on the skills that he's developed over the years as far as not just the physical attributes. But when I say that LeBron James looks old, what do I mean? We are used to a physically dominant LeBron James. A LeBron James that will dunk on anybody. LeBron James, even though he's not the greatest three-point shooter, he can get a three off any any time. LeBron James that even when the offense is, is not going well, he's able to put the team on his back offensively. LeBron James that is just a physical specimen and he's able to to capitalize on the physical advantages that he has over other players what we're seeing is LeBron James I'm not gonna say he doesn't have anymore that's that's not true but there there's a stat going around that LeBron James has is like 0 for 19 in fourth quarter with fourth quarter or Taking threes in the fourth quarter. 0 for 19. There are two plays, yes, and I'm not just going to single out those plays, but we can talk about the fast break in game two where, you know, he just fumbled the ball. Or we could talk about the clutch situation where he tried to do a reverse layup and and he airballed it. Of course, this is what we expect, Right. Let me say this, actually. This is what we should expect from LeBron James. That's in year, what, 20? That's 38 years old. We should expect a LeBron James that can't do it physically every game. Now, it is coming as a shock and as a surprise because we've seen greatness throughout LeBron forever since he's been in the league. So now that we're again, one thing that they say is father time is undefeated. And as we're seeing, father time is 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 I'm not going to say winning over LeBron James, but he has arrived because the the physical again, LeBron James isn't he's still a physical specimen. Don't get me wrong. He still takes care of his body. He's still a great player. But that LeBron James where nothing's going right with the team and he can put the team on his back and give him 40. He's that's not there anymore. 
or let me say we haven't seen that since what earlier this year i think that we're seeing the we're we're looking at a lebron james that can't just be or isn't just the best player and because he's the best player you have a decisive advantage we're not seeing that anymore in fact, we haven't seen that majority of this playoffs. Every single playoff series outside of probably Memphis, LeBron James has not been the best player. In the Golden State series, Steph Curry was a better player. Anthony Davis was a better player. In this series, Nikola Jokic is a far better player than LeBron James has been. Now, that's no offense to LeBron James. That is just the reality of what, I'm, what we're seeing. And that kind that def actually that kind of brings me to Anthony Davis. And I have to question something. The question that I have is can we honestly call Anthony Davis a superstar? I have to really here's the reason why. Because we first have to define what is a superstar. We know the players that we consider superstars, like Steph Curry, he's a superstar. Nikola Jokic, he's a superstar. Kevin Durant, uh, Giannis Antetokounmpo, superstars. Hell, Damian Lillard, superstar. Joel Embiid, superstar. But why do we consider those players superstars? It's not just talent. Hell, there's if you're in the league, you're talented. Now, yeah, there's people that are more talented than others, but if you're in the league, you're talented. The word to me, the the to be deemed a superstar is you know what you're gonna get out of a player, right? You know that when a player needs to be great, they're going to be great. Damian Lillard ain't been Damian Lillard's been I don't remember last time he went to the playoffs. But what I will say about Damian Lillard is you know what you're going to get out of Damian Lillard. You know that you're going when the when the moment is big, when when he needs to come come up big, when he needs to put the team on his back, he's able to do that. Same thing with Giannis, same thing with Steph, same thing with LeBron majority of his career, actually all of his career outside of probably now. But we know what a superstar is. Here's my thing, which brings me back to Anthony Davis. And I have to question, Anthony Davis is... is, is one of the most frustrating slash interesting players we've ever seen. When we talk about the skill set, right? When we talk about how good Anthony Davis can be, of course he would be a superstar. I mean, he, Anthony Davis, there's multiple games. We have, he's had 50-20 games. 
He's had multiple 50-point games, multiple 40-20s, multiple 20. Like, Anthony Davis, if we just talk about the sheer talent and the sheer skill set that he has, yes, he is a superstar. But then that would be, that would go against, that. let me not say go against. That would only be telling one, or he would only qualify for one half of that superstar status. Because the other half that he, to me, will not qualify for is being reliable when it's needed. We know, it's it's pretty famous at this point, at least this, this series, or this playoffs, his even number to odd number game slide. He's one of the best players in basketball on odd number games, you know, game one, game three, game five. But if we get to game two and four, let me, for example, talk about this series against the Nuggets. Anthony Davis, I think first game had like 40 points. Yes, they lost, but he had 40 points. Game two, he had like 15, 17 or something like that. And while, yes, that's cool for Rui Hachimura to have 17 points or uh, D'Angelo Russell to have 17 points, Anthony Davis is supposed to be the best player on the Lakers. Which goes back to the LeBron James point. LeBron James cannot carry a team anymore. I'll say LeBron James, for, for, the entire, for the majority of his career, pretty much all of his career, it has been, if LeBron James is on your team, you're a title contender. Just because of who LeBron James is, that is not the case anymore. However, they LeBron James is pretty much sitting here thinking, well, I have Anthony Davis. And I don't, you know, I don't, we know how good Anthony Davis can be. We also know how good he, 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 actually, we also know how much he doesn't show up in some games. We talk about inconsistency a lot. Anthony Davis is the prime example of that. So I have to question. It's hard. I have to question, is Anthony Davis really a superstar? Because he has superstar talent, but he's not as reliable as he should be. And and I'll go back to the names I said, right? Imagine if Steph Curry. Imagine if Steph Curry, knowing how great of a shooter he is. Knowing how great of a player he is, knowing that he can get 30 on any given night. He can get 30 in his sleep. Imagine if one game he'll 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 drop a 30, 40, 50 point game. The next game he has 10. Hell, we're going to talk about the, the 76ers in a second. Joel Embiid and how he got killed for his game seven uh, performance where he had what 15 points and his superstar status is kind of in question from a lot of people because of his record in game sevens he's 0-3 in game sevens so I guess in conclusion of this and I'll move on there is no and I said this to start the this series last episode there's no way that the Lakers are going to win if Anthony Davis is as consistent I talked about that with James Harden when we went when when we're talking about Boston if your best player or second best player 
in this case for the Lakers, their best player, if he is not consistent or if he is on that roller coaster that he has been this entire postseason, they are not going to beat the most efficient team that they have played and that is in the NBA right now. Do they have they have when Anthony Davis comes to play, right? That you can still you can argue that they still and when I when I mean they I mean the Lakers have the best one two punch in this series. No, I th- yes I think Nikola Jokic is better than Anthony Davis, but when we talk about skill set, Anthony Davis can be better than Nikola Jokic. As for now, not, not the passing no, but when we talk about just a sheer offense, and of course you still have LeBron James. But the Lakers desperately need a consistent Anthony Davis. And the reason why I question his superstar status is because they have not seen that. In fact, the last and only time, now that I really think about it, they've seen a consistent Anthony Davis was in the bubble. No, I'm not one to disrespect the bubble. And I, I mean, a championship is a championship, whether you win it in a bubble or not. But the bubble was what? Three years ago, two years ago. You can't, we can't keep getting a 40, 35, 37, 39 point game from Anthony Davis and then turn around and get a 10, 15, 17. I think the other night, I think game two, LeBron James had more rebounds than Anthony Davis. Can't happen. Because I promise you, uh, Denver is going to capitalize on all the advantages that you give them. Because they're just that good of a team. So, Speaking of team, two games into this Heat series, Heat-Celtics series, everything that I've questioned about both teams has been has come to light, right? And I am more sure about my feelings surrounding both teams now than I was coming into this series. I think that the Miami Heat is probably one of, if not the best eighth seed we've ever seen. But it's not because of the players that they have outside of Jimmy Butler and Bam Adebayo, who's been playing well. But it's just the culture and it's the the coaching. Eric Spolstra is arguably the best coach in basketball. And it's just a team. They have played themselves into that realm of you can never count them out. I don't think they're going to win this series, no. But I do think that they deserve to be here. And I think that Jimmy Butler has come to play. I think that Jimmy Butler is one of the best playoff players we've seen in a while. Just of just how he elevates his game. And I think that while, yes, there there is a lot of of, of coverage on the lack of drafted players that play valuable minutes for the Heat, you know, Max Struess and Gabe Vincent. But it doesn't matter if you're drafted or not, you're in the league. And what are they doing with those minutes? What are they doing with those opportunities? And they're they're thoroughly shining. 
So I, I have no question. The Heat have <laughs> the Heat are exactly who we thought they were. I think that they are the 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 inferior team in this in this series. But with them being the inferior team, I don't think that I don't think that they don't have a shot to win. At the end of the day, basketball is about players and basketball is about who is playing their best at the right time. And who has what edge is somebody going to have to get them over the top? And what we're seeing is the Heat have 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 toughness. They have a very athletic big, and they have one of the best playoff players, at least in this playoffs, and that is Jimmy Butler. But nothing I've seen in this series has changed my mind about Miami. I think that Miami is a great, a good team. I think that there are there are major flaws for the team, especially when we talk about offensively, which is why Tyler Euro is so big, and Victor Oladipo. Them not being here due to injury that's that's huge. But this team with the defense, with the never never quit mentality, with the just the sheer force that they bring to the game, they always have a shot to win, and it's led by their leader, Anthony or uh, Jim. Jimmy Butler, which is why I say all the time, and I just said a couple minutes ago, how you embody the the personality and the confidence of your best player. And that's obviously what the Heat do. The Heat go into every series. Hell, most of their interviews sound like a Jimmy Butler interview. We don't care what you think. Um, we're just going to go out and play. It's about, you know, physicality. Like, that's Jimmy Butler. And Jimmy Butler, this that's another player which I, I question if he's a superstar or not. Of course, to a lesser extent than Anthony Davis, but Jimmy Butler always pretty much comes to perform in the in the postseason. He's always one of the best players in the postseason. It's just the regular season is a little different. But just like my the things that I questioned or the things that I knew about the Heat have been reassured to me. It's the same thing for the Boston Celtics. Don't get it, don't get it wrong. Don't get it twisted, bro. The Boston Celtics, they're the best team that's remaining in this playoffs. Actually, if you really think about it and you really look at it, on paper, they're the best team in basketball. They can beat you in a myriad of ways. They have a superstar player in Jim, James or Jason Tatum. They have a incredible, uh, you can say 1A, 1B. Some people say Batman Robin. Some people say Claire number two. They have a great second option in Jalen Brown. And they have a great team. Malcolm Brogdon. Uh, Marcus Smart, uh, Al Horford, uh, Robert Williams, Grant. They have a great team. And they are the best team in basketball, at least this year. Nothing about that has 
change that looking at this this heat series and looking at the the Boston Celtics in the playoffs in general that has been proven to me nothing i have not seen anything that has dispelled that but in the same breath another thing that has not been dispelled to me is the issues that the the Boston Celtics run into and most of their issues are self-inflicted and those self-inflicted issues can get them beat which is why yes I think they are the superior team to the to the Miami Heat however I think the Miami Heat have a great shot of winning because of the shortcomings that the Boston Celtics have had this entire series this entire playoffs and what are those shortcomings? I talk about it in almost every episode, so I'm not going to dwell on them. Their late game situations are terrible. Or let's, let me say, late game executions are terrible. It took a 51-point game. Now, yes, they did destroy the 76ers by like 30 or something. But Jason Tatum had a 51-point game seven. They should have never gotten to a game seven. And then if you go back to the, if you want to talk about this Heat series, right? Game one, Jason Tatum is their best player. Jason Tatum is playing, is is riding that game seven, 51-point game, and he's having an incredible game. For some reason, he does not get a shot attempt in the fourth quarter. A shot attempt. To put that into perspective, that's like, Steph Curry not getting a shot attempt in the fourth quarter. Kevin Durant not getting a shot attempt in the fourth quarter. Giannis Antetokounmpo not getting a shot attempt. I'm not saying to make. You can miss all your shots in the fourth. You'll still get killed, but not as much as not getting a shot attempt. On top of that, this team is still a live by the three, die by the three. If they're hitting threes, you have no shot. But if they're not, they're going to keep shooting and they're going to keep missing. Which means you always have a shot. You just rebound the ball. What I'm saying is this, man. Oh, and on top of that, Joe Missoula, who is a, a cool coach, but he was never supposed to be the coach. And I see why. I'm not saying he's a terrible coach. Don't get me wrong. But you can tell that the moment isn't, is, is he's not ready for the moment. Because some of his coaching adjustments or lack thereof is, 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 is detrimental to his team. Yeah, he was great in the regular season. I think he was a coach of the year candidate, but like some of his late games, some of his late game substitutions, some of the the play calls, it just doesn't make sense. So while yes, everything that I've I felt and feel about the Miami Heat have have not changed. They are an incredible team. I'm shocked that they're here, but they are here. And they're here because they're following their best player. And that is Jimmy Butler. And they are the best coach team in basketball right now. 
because of Eric Spolstra. And the same exact thing can be said for the Celtics as far as everything uh, everything that I've learned about the Celtics throughout this year, throughout this playoffs, are exactly what I'm seeing in this series. They are the far better team than the Heat. Far better team. They just have more options. And this Boston Celtics team is good enough to win a championship. However, this Boston Celtics team also can get in their way more times than than you'd like. And them getting in the way, them getting them getting in their own way can cost them not only games but series. Cuz trust me, your margin for error shrink drastically once you get further in the playoffs because now you're playing against teams that can ca- think about it. You're playing against you played the Atlanta Hawks. And don't get me wrong, shout out to the Hawks and, and Trey Young, but there are different levels to it. You played the Atlanta Hawks in round one. It just gets harder and harder from there. The Miami Heat shouldn't be here, but they're here. Same as the Denver Nuggets on the other side. You played the Minnesota Timberwolves, a team that a lot of people didn't expect and probably shouldn't have been there. But you played them. Next series, you played the Phoenix Suns. And you saw, at least for a couple games, the two greatest scores of all time. At least as far as percentages and everything. And now you're playing the Lakers that will capitalize on the stakes. So your margin for error shrinks drastically once you get closer to the finals because you're playing against teams that know you. And for the Boston Celtics, you, which is hella crazy, but one game you'll get the greatest team or the best team in the in basketball. The next, you'll get a, a, a team that doesn't have a shot attempt from their best player in the fourth quarter. So they're going to have to clean that up. But, you know, because if not – you're going to lose. So, I want to talk about something uh, before I get off of the NBA. Or at least these playoffs. Um, so, James, we know last episode I talked about Doc Rivers being fired. Uh, we know that he's out of there. And reports are coming out that James Harden was a driving force for Doc Rivers being fired. Now, yes, these are all reports. These are all speculations. However, the people that are reporting them, you know, Adrian Wojnarowski, Sham, these are credible sources, obviously. So I tend, I don't feel, I feel that if you're someone as big as Woj or someone as big as, you know, Adam Schefter or Shams, your, whatever story you break, whatever news that you break, your, Reputation is on the line. And when you're an insider, right, your reputation is pretty much, relationships and reputation is pretty much all you have. So I would hope and I would think that they're not going to risk, risk that on a non-credible source. So to get back to what I was saying, 
James Harden was a driving force, or it's reported that James Harden was a driving force for Doc Rivers firing. Which also, it was also reported that Joel Embiid, who of course is the Philadelphia 76ers best player, was shocked about what he was shocked about the firing of Doc Rivers because he and Doc Rivers had a really good relationship. Do I feel that Doc Rivers should have been fired? Um, I'm not going to say he should have been fired or shouldn't have been fired. What I will say is I understand why you would have fired him, which obviously they did. So I understand why he was fired. But let me say this. It is incredibly dumb if the organization fired Doc Rivers because of James Harden. Because a report yesterday came out saying that James Harden is likely to go to Houston. So you're telling me that you fired a coach because of a player that's not going to be there. Hmm. Interesting. That doesn't that's that's not smart. That's not smart. <laughs> like at all. Again, if you if you were already going to fire Doc Rivers, then cool. Like if Doc Rivers was already on the chopping block, if he didn't, I don't know, make it to the finals or make it to the Eastern Conference Finals, then I get it. But in the same breath, don't report or don't let the report come out saying that James Harden was a, 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 a driving force to Doc, Doc Rivers getting fired or was a big reason why Doc Rivers getting was getting fired. Because that means it sounds like you're acquiescing to a player that's probably not going to be there. So you're letting a player that's not going to be there next year, uh, I guess, lack of a better term, dictate the or influence the organization. What sense does that make? Now, yeah, if you get a Mike Budenhoser, if you get a Nick Nurse, cool. But what if you don't? And you lose your second best player in James Harden, which which is it's it's more than likely going to happen, from what's being reported. Doesn't make sense to me. And let me address James Harden for a second. <laughs> James Harden is not. The James Harden of old. I think injuries, poor body management, uh, just poor physical decisions is the main reason why James Harden is not the James Harden of old. He just hasn't taken care of his body as much as some stars have taken care of their bodies. Nothing wrong with that. It's just that's his prerogative. But just don't expect to get, you know, 
the James Harden that can drop 60 points, 60, 60 point triple doubles. It's just not going to happen. We haven't seen that since Houston. Now, yeah, we, we've had a 45 point game. Uh, James Harden can still shoot the ball. We have a 40 point game. Like, he's still good in that sense, but he, to me, he is not a player that you can build your franchise around anymore. And be confident enough in saying that they're a championship caliber team. James Harden just isn't that type of player. But I thought it was funny. And again, all these are all these are rumors, all these are speculations, all these are reports. I find it funny that James Harden from was being reported it, he wants to go to a a team where they are in contention to win a championship and the very next day it says that James Harden is likely to return to Houston and for people that don't know uh Houston <laughs> was one of the worst teams last year they're just hella young you know James or uh, Jalen Green and Josh Christopher and uh, Alex Sangoon, you know, Jabari Smith, all young players. You also hear about uh, James Harden possibly going to the the Phoenix Suns, of course, to pair it with Devin Booker and James Harden. I mean, and Kevin Durant, more than likely, DeAndre Ayton and uh, Chris Paul would have to go. I'll just say this. Let's dampen our, no. We have to be honest about ourselves and be honest about James Harden. James Harden is not, he has played himself out of the superstar role. He's not a superstar anymore. In fact, he hasn't been a superstar for a minute now. Now, yes, that could be due to injury. That can just, like I said, poor body management. And, and, you know, hygiene, physical management, but it is what it is. And what it is, is he is not a superstar anymore. So if you're thinking about building a team around him, I don't think that would be smart because I don't, I don't see James Harden being the best player on a championship team because he hasn't been even at his peak. He wasn't. Again, James Harden has only been to one NBA Finals, and he was the sixth man on that team, the Oklahoma City Thunder, with Kevin Durant and Russell Westbrook. Now, I hear people say, well, that's not fair because, you know, he ran into Steph Curry in that, in that Golden State dynasty that had, of course, Kevin Durant and Klay Thompson and everything. My re- re- rebuttal to that is, yeah, but at least one of those years, he was up 3-2 and had a game six at home. So, uh, yeah. I just think I just think James Harden hasn't – he hasn't played his – I would be – cautious about building a team around James Harden and honestly I'd be cautious about 
making major moves to get James Harden. I don't I'm not saying James Harden should be off the league, but I don't think James Harden hasn't proven to be that piece to get you over the top because he should have been for the Philadelphia 76ers. And as we sit here today, they have they they didn't even make it out the conference semifinals. So I don't know, man. I don't know. Let's move forward. Uh, I did want to say shouts out and congratulations to the San Antonio Spurs for winning the NBA lottery. Uh, <laughs> this is the f- one of the first year or first year in a while that you know exactly who the number one player is, which is exactly why you see ESPN uh, interviewing Victor Womanyama when the Spurs win, and all you hear about is Victor Womanyama. Let me let me say this. He is being projected as one of, if not the greatest prospect to ever come into the NBA. And I I see the hype. Don't get me wrong. It, he could be that good. But I also understand that the NBA, if you look at some of the best players, they all have something in common outside of probably two. And that is Steph Curry and, and Kevin Durant. When you look at some of the best players in the league, they have size to them. LeBron James, Giannis, uh, Joel Embiid. Of course, Steph doesn't have size, but he is, all, he is the greatest shooter of all time. Of course, Kevin Durant, he kind of struggles with size, but he is also one of the greatest shooters of all time, and he's a seven-foot monster. The difference between Kevin Durant, though, I don't know if you noticed, but he does struggle with injuries a lot. I'm not wishing that on Victor Wamanyama at all. I would hope that he, you know, they're saying that he could be the next coming. I, I hope that he meets the expectations that he has himself and that a lot of people have on him. If they're saying he can be better than Braun, cool, okay. I'm not saying you're wrong. I'm just saying cool, okay. I, I don't, I don't believe we will. I, I don't think I'll ever see anybody moving forward that's better than LeBron James. But okay. And I think he, you know, Victor Wamanyama could not have gone to a better situation. You go to the Spurs on a Greg Popovich. We know the track record that Greg Popovich has with big man, i.e. David Robinson, i.e. Tim Duncan, who will go down as one of, actually, scratch that, the greatest power forward of all time. Now, (laughs) let's not get it confused, though. Uh, I don't think that Victor Wimanyama makes this a championship caliber team. Don't get me wrong. Like, Tim Duncan, he, he went into a team, or he went into a situation that had Duncan Robinson, or not Duncan Robinson, that had uh, David Robinson, and of course he played with Tony Parker and and Mono Ginobili. Now, uh, yes, I love the fit with Victor and Greg Popovich. This still, this Spurs team is still not that good of a team, so I, I wouldn't get my hopes up with that. But I, I just hope that he is everything that you know he's projected to be. I just have pause because of just his lack of lack of weight to him. Because a lot of people are saying, and I heard Chris Broussard said, which was crazy, that if he is, if he ends his career on the same level as like 
KD and Kareem, I mean, and uh, Akeem Olajuwon, his career was a failure. Yeah, I don't get that, bro. I mean, KD is arguably a top 15, top 10 player, and Akeem Olajuwon is undoubtedly a top 10 player, in my opinion. Uh, I don't see how that would be a... Also, by the way, you're talking about Hakeem, who has two MVP or two championships. Kevin Durant, who has two championships, one MVP. Both of them have finals or two finals MVPs. Like, I I think Victor Wembanyama would be lucky to make it NBA Finals. And I'm not saying that because he's not good. I'm saying that because the team he's on isn't that good. So I don't know about that, Chris, but... uh. I do wish nothing but the best for Victor Wimanyama, and I hope that, you know, I am I am happy that he's going to a well-coached team. Let me just say that in Greg Popovich. We also don't know how many years Greg Popovich has left as a coach. So, you know, we'll have to see. But, uh, yeah. I did want to say shout-out to the WNBA. They started their season last night. Um, I, there's been a lot of... I guess you can say bad press going into it. Uh, you can we can talk about um, Becky Hammond being suspended two games for the Erica Hamby situation. Uh, we can also talk about how the WNBA is starting smack in the in the middle of the conference finals for not just the NBA but for hockey. You know, I don't know, man. We can talk about all these players getting waived. Alexis Morris, Dee uh, Dee Robinson. Just, uh, oh, I forgot her name, but the number one overall pick from 2021 got waived. Here's the thing. I don't need to continue to come in here and talk about how the WNBA can improve. You know, uh, I understand it's a money thing. Don't get me wrong. But why there are so many, I, I think. What, six or seven out of the top, you know, six or seven out of six or seven first round picks, right, of this year was cut. It's like, why would you draft that high or why would you draft somebody in the first round? And mind you, there's only 12 teams in the WNBA. So why would you draft somebody that high just to cut them? That doesn't or waive them. It doesn't make sense. To me, that is a bad product and i'm not saying like the w i'm not trashing WNBA. i think the WNBA is great but and again i understand this money and of course you're uh, someone that has no money and someone that has no and you know stake in the WNBA is is asking for change but why do you not at, if you can't if you can't afford to have expansion teams right why like if you can't put a team and like uh, expand, get two more NBA team or WNBA teams, why can't you just expand the rosters? Like why can't fifteen people be on a roster? I don't, I don't know. Uh, however, I do think this is going to be a good season. You know, uh, I think you have two pretty much super teams. And that is the Vegas Aces and the New York Liberty. I think if you want to give a quick. You know, a, a quick uh, prediction of awards. I think that Brianna Stewart is going to win the MVP. 
I think last year there was a battle between who was the best player between her and Asia Wilson. And, of course, Asia Wilson came out on top. I think being in a new city, being in a new, on a new team, and a really good team in the, in the New York Liberty that has uh, Sabrina Nadescu, again, Brianna Stewart, that has John Quill Jones now, uh, Benet Jelani, I think that – that is the team to beat. Well, right now the team to beat is the Vegas Aces because they did win last year and they did get Candace Parker, which Candace Parker is on the older side, but she still is very good player. They also have again Asia Wilson, Kelsey Plum. Uh, they 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 have Chelsea Gray. It's going to be tough. Uh, my Washington Mystics are still up there with Elena Deladon. You know. Uh, they, they, to me, it's two teams and then everyone else. I think that the Washington Mystics are good enough to win, uh, but we'll have to see. Uh, but I just, it's crazy the 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 storylines going into this season isn't as positive as it should be to me. I think. You know, uh, the rookie of the year should definitely be Aaliyah Boston. I think she's the best rookie that came. Of course, she was number one. But out of all the rookies, she has the best opportunity in Indiana, I believe. Like, she is, she is, she's the best rookie. And I think she's going to win rookie of the year. Uh, and I honestly think that it's going to be between Vegas. I'm always going to throw my mystics in there. And New York about who wins the, the championship. But again... It's. I understand what the WNBA is trying to do, and I understand how they're trying to promote themselves, which I, you know, I get it. But there's been a lot of bad press coming into at least this season, and that to me doesn't bode well if you're trying to expand, you're trying to get better. You know what I mean? Uh, again, if it if it was on a bigger, unfortunately, if it was on a bigger. The the whole the whole Becky Hammond thing is huge. Uh, the whole most of the players getting cut is huge, you know. So I don't want to go into the season like that. But on top of all that, look at where you're starting the season. I understand you're trying to get around, get behind the whole you know Brittany Griner's back, which I love and I appreciate the fact that she's back, but. Again, you're sandwiching you're you're starting a season in between the NBA conference finals and the NHL conference finals. And your 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 the playoffs are going to start, I believe, close to the begin actually your playoffs are going to start at the beginning of the NFL season. So uh but I know that sounded like hella shade, and I apologize. I'm not trying to be. But I am happy that the WME season has started. And uh, go Mystics. I want to also shout out or shine some light on the NHL playoffs, like I just stated. The NHL playoffs, while this has been one of the most interesting playoffs in, in, in NHL history, because... There, to me, is not a clear-cut favorite, at least right now. Uh, of course, going in, we thought it was, at least I thought it was going to be the Boston Bruins after their historic season. Uh, the Maple Leafs were pretty much number two. 
If you look now, you have the Carolina Hurricanes, the Florida Panthers, the Gold, the Vegas Golden Knights, and the Dallas Stars. The thing that I can, the thing that I do love about these playoffs. Now, I'm not gonna hold you. I'm not. I'm not an avid watcher of hockey. I do watch when I can, and I watch the playoffs because I think it's interesting, even though I don't know any of the players like that. I think it's interesting that. If you look, there's not a lot of separation between any any of these teams. And I think that's the beauty of at least this year's NHL playoffs. Yeah, right now the favorites are probably the Carolina Hurricanes. But as we saw in game one, uh, that was like one of the longest game ones in conference playoffs history because it went to four overtimes. Or it, the, the Florida Panthers are good. At, the Florida Panthers have not lost. Or, I think they sw- I don't think the Florida Panthers have lost since round one. I could be wrong, but I don't believe so. And on top of that, like you've seen great we saw the Kraken was really good. We we've seen really good hockey. And the Vegas Knights and Dallas Stars, to me, they're evenly matched. In fact, both of these series are evenly matched. So I guess the favorite at least in the current teams, because of their regular season record, will probably or is probably the Carolina Hurricanes. But I just wanted to highlight the good, you know, the good hockey that we're seeing. Because, I I mean, I'm going to predict that the Vegas Golden Knights beat the Dallas Stars, but I wouldn't be shocked if the Dallas Stars win. And while the Hurricanes, I think, are favored, to me, I have to see somebody beat the Florida Panthers, which I have not seen since they were down 3-1 against the Boston Bruins. So I'm just excited, man. It's been really good hockey, really good hockey. And, you know, Matthew Kachuk has <laughs> has been one of the best players uh, in this series. I mean, best players in the playoffs. Jake Otterling has been uh, Ottering has been really good. No wait, Otter Otterger Ottinger. I know I messed your name up, bro. I apologize, but he's been really good. I'm just excited, man. It's been really good, really good playoffs, really good for NHL. Um, lastly, before we go, like I said, I have been every single episode this this month. I'm going to highlight somebody of the AA. Well, it is AAPI Heritage Month, um, Asian American Pacific Islander Heritage Month. And I have been, of course, incorporating that in every episode. Last episode, I highlighted Rui Hachimura, which was I'm not saying that's because of it, but it is crazy how in game two he went crazy. Um and what I've been doing is I have been uh, – there has to be some type of African-American. There has to be some type of black in you uh, for me to highlight it. And because, I mean, you know, I like to highlight African – or I like to highlight Af- black people. You know, it's, I'm a black person. It's my podcast. Bada bing, bada boom. But today is going to be a little different. Today I wanted to highlight Mina Kynes. Mila Kynes, of course, is a NFL analyst, uh, and she works for ESPN. She she also is a writer for ESPN. I know she's written for a bunch of different publications. 
I wanted to highlight her because she is one of the people that don't gets a lot more hate than they should. I'm not, I don't know. More than likely, it's because she's a she's a woman. She's a woman that covers football, and she's a woman that covers football that's not Caucasian. Um, Mina Kynes, from what we've seen, is one of the hardest working and one of the smartest. Let me not say hard. One of the smartest football minds we have ever seen. At least football analysts we have ever seen. Because of the how she approaches the job, how she approaches analyzing, she is able to break down film better than a lot of people does. She's able to see things. She's able to break down cover. Hell, she knows more football than me. And I'm not saying that as like a, it's me. I'm saying that as I'm giving her credit for knowing what she does. Mina Kynes is, is, ES, one of ESPN's brightest analysts and she does get a lot of hate, but again, I think it's because of people that are so rigid in their thinking that it's just like, how was a woman talking about sports? Or how? Because you see, they they kill Doris Burke too, and I think Doris Burke is pretty good at her job. But I did for today's episode and highlighting AAPI Heritage Month, I wanted to highlight Mina Kynes for being one of the best analysts, at least football analysts that ESPN has ever seen. And uh, yeah, she's she helped at least when I watch her, she helps me understand football and and coverages and and schemes in a way that she to me, it kind of feels like which I'm sure it's not, but it kind of feels like she understands it more than some players. That's how good she is at her job. So I wanted to highlight and shout out Mina Kimes. And that has been today's episode of the Unpopular Podcast. I truly appreciate you guys. Um, if you want a popular podcast shirt, hoodie, sweater, long sleeve joggers, the link is in the description below. I have multiple different colors, multiple different designs. Go get your Unpopular Podcast merch today. Also, please subscribe to if you're listening. Please subscribe to if you're watching. Please subscribe to the Instagram. Subscribe to the TikTok. Uh, I took a couple days off as far as doing the shorts. They're coming back probably today. Um, and I appreciate all the support that I've been getting, and I appreciate all the love. I just hit 800 subscribers on YouTube, which is huge. Uh, man, I don't think y'all understand how long I was sitting at 352 to get to 800. It's a blessing, man. So I appreciate all of you guys, and, you know, hopefully bigger and better things. Uh, but... Until next time, much love. Mm-hmm.